0: It's that time again for another podcast episode, and this one is with a man who was a comet at Richmond. He was only there for a few years, but gee, when he was there, he played some great football. This podcast interview is with the man called Dave Cousins, who came to Richmond in 1957 as a 24-year-old. He left the club in 1961, and he had won two Best and Fairests.
1: Yeah, I've had a look around. I don't know that I can... um... Anyway, anything startling, anything above what's usual?
0: Well, I'm intrigued to know, firstly, Mr Cousins, how did someone from Kalgoorlie City end up at Richmond? Uh,
1: Kalgoorlie City, yes, well... That's a bit of a distance. uh, Actually, it was a dream of mine for a while to go to Melbourne to football. Um, Apart from being keen on football most of my life I went to all the interstate matches and watched the Vicks uh, I did a year down at um, up and a year at Carradale in the um, Augusta Margaret River League right. and um, from places like that and Calgary, I travelled to Perth overnight sometimes to see um, see the Vicks play the WA yep. it's just that um, we got walloped every Saturday and uh, we only got lost again on the Tuesday. I'm talking when I say we, WA. Yeah. And I realised that the best football was in Melbourne. And I was starting to win trophies and um, playing well right up from the age of about 16 through to 22. And I thought I'd start at the top and work down, so I'd go to Melbourne first. Uh, Richmond, the reason. Was there that I used to be a fan of the um, sporting life, which Jack Dyer have an article in, and um, I used to avidly read him. And uh, I thought, well, uh, it's a big tough team, Richmond. Oh, I sounds a bit macho, but I'll try myself out there. And there was the only team I really knew in Melbourne, anyhow. And um, so that's how that came about. Had you,
0: had, had you seen Jack Dyer play? before that?
1: I hadn't, no.
0: Right.
1: No, I'd never seen him play. Um,
0: so who did you see play when you watched Victoria in Western Australia? Who were some of the people?
1: Uh, well, I saw this great mountain of a boat uh, running from the centre bounce to the pocket at Subiaca Oval and um, uh, then take the uh, boundary throw in. Uh, little did I know in a couple of years I'll be playing with him and, of course, that was Roy Wright. Um, He's probably well. I never haven't thought much about that, who else was playing. Um, At, um, it, uh, probably Ken Hans, um, but, um, but he was the main one. Um,
0: and there was a great rivalry back then between the two states.
1: Oh, I think so.
0: Yeah, I think so. Big crowds.
1: I had my clearance block for a year, probably could have been two years, except for my age. But um, alakappa got two years. Colin never had to wait two years for clearance. I uh, um, I certainly wanted to keep all the players at home. And it was a very big rivalry.
0: Did you train with anyone else other than Richmond?
1: No, Rich.
0: Did you train with anyone else other than Richmond? Oh no. So you you came over to To try out for richmond
1: oh exactly I, um, a patron of our club um, you're trying to think now he was the he he was the owner of the twenty grand in Calgiry he knew Maury Fleming, and when i said well i you know i've spent four years here, I only intend to spend one, and there it is four years um, I'd better start on my dream as the, as the saying goes. And I was, I was going over. So he wrote to Murray anyway, and I got a letter from Murray who uh, invited me to train with them when I got over.
0: So when you came over to Richmond, um, where did um, they uh, hold you up in a house? You know, where were you living at the time? Um, did you rent or yeah, board?
1: No, well, um, well, I had a chap who wanted to come with me. And uh, he didn't make the list, and he went back. I'm just not sure that we, that we stayed at the same place. But anyhow, um, I stayed at Ron Garraway's Junction Hotel uh, for the whole year that I stood out. In fact, I stayed there for a year or so after as well. Um, so uh, it was at Ron's place that we stayed.
0: He, he was a committee man, wasn't he?
1: He was a committee man, yep.
0: And they also, after games, certainly in the '60s, they would have drinks at his garage and stuff like that. There was a lot of committee men at that stage, and several of them were former players as well, weren't they?
1: I'm just trying to think. The guys that that I remember most were uh, like skinny Titus Priestley, um, Harris. Yeah. Uh, Bill Quinn was secretary at the time I think um, no he was a committee man, he was with one of the TV retailers um, Did now something that I had not thought about much um,
0: did Titus
1: some were, um, Jack was away on holidays when I was first first um, arrived there.
0: Do you remember the first time you met him?
1: Oh very much so. Where was that? Well um Joe um, um, put an evening and dinner on his place at Richmond, there, and um, we were—I was invited, um, and a few other players—and we were sitting around, and Jack and um, Jack and his wife walked in. Well, I couldn't believe I was there, to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was, 'cause you got to remember, even though I was that age, I was. I was well I was pretty naive and um, to think I was actually there and uh, when he comes trialling in I thought to myself, it was just real sort of thing. But uh, that was the first time I met him and uh, later on he became our player manager but not that year that he came back, um, I think he settled back into his work he was doing and, uh, and it was the next year that he came in as, um, as our player manager.
0: You stayed out of football for one year when you came across. Yep. What did you do for that year?
1: Well, we all worked of course.
0: Yep. So what was your occupation?
1: And um, they found me, work, well, they found me a club, Glen Huntley. Um, it was an unaffiliated club. Oh, yes. Yep. And um, I played with them, uh, and they were a few people, and... Uh, if I wanted to see a particular game on a Saturday, because Glenn Huntley played Saturday afternoons as well, um, uh, I'd get permission to, uh, to go and watch a game as well.
0: And did you, did you have a, a job as well at the time?
1: Oh, yes, I had a job.
0: What was your job?
1: Uh, well, I was um, in Kalgoorlie. I got a Powerhouse Engine Drivers Certificate. Uh, so I had an engine driver's certificate and I actually went to work for Beecham's and I was taking Timber talking to the former one day and I said oh, I've got an engine driver's ticket and he said right we'll have you somewhere else and so I got a job driving a crane on Lorimer Street uh, on the wharf um, I don't know if Beecham's would still be there but um, uh, we were down right on, on the wharf there uh, Lorimer Street was about a 12 lane highway by then And uh, so that's what I did. And after that, um, I decided that I'd um, like to be a sales rep, be the best way to go. And um, eventually I got a job with Foster Clark. And actually Richmond got me that job as well. And um, I just went from there and I was... that was all the work I did for the whole time I was in Melbourne. I, when I came back, I, I went to another um, agent.
0: So, uh, was that Lorimer Street in Melbourne?
1: That's Lorimer Street, yeah.
0: Wow, so it's changed a lot, yeah. Beg your pardon? So you worked there on the cranes, did you say, on the wolves?
1: On a crane, it's, uh, but not one of those big gantry cranes. yeah um, situated on the wolf, mm walked across to the boat so that's that's how it was but um they had oregon they shipped oregon and also softwood from indonesia and um my job i had a 20 foot boom on this crane and uh, uh, the idea was, was to pick up these great flitches of oregon and put them into the stocks into the whatever measurements the order was and they were taken away in those uh, pick up, pick up, you know, the ones that slide over the stack and yep. pick them
0: up. Did you say or- Oregon wood?
1: Oregon. Oh, okay. Yeah, that Oregon and redwood. Um, right. I think that was from America. Yeah. And all the softwood came from Indonesia.
0: So then you finally came to Richmond and was able to play with them in 1957. Yeah. Did you start in the reserves?
1: Well, with my games at Glen Huntley and I trained with Richmond but nevertheless I didn't play too well in the practice games that next year that I had my clearance and I played two games in the reserves and everything fell into place I resumed. I had match fitness a common term these days and uh, I produced my best football after two games and um, and bow me down the next week I didn't get picked for the A side so and I played reserves again and broke my collarbone. And uh, stupidly, actually, too, I just, I already had the ball and I just bumped this guy. I was having so much fun, I <laughs> <it through> the <laughs> bumped this guy and he said himself and I broke my collarbone. So uh, it was five weeks before I played again and anyhow, those whole five weeks, I attended every training session um, Know, strapped up, and uh, Richmond thought that much of it, but I didn't have to play another game in the second, so they put me straight in, and uh, we played him. so my first game was against Essendon.
0: Who did you play on that day?
1: Colin Havard, who happened to be another West Australian.
0: Oh, did you had you have known him before that or not?
1: I hadn't, no. Right.
0: Now, what position were you recruited or play for at Richmond?
1: Well, I was always a backman and I was a centre half pack in Kalgoorlie and uh, so I was a half pack flanker. Um, uh, there's a coincidence there. I went back to Perth and the last game I played on was against West Perth and blow me down. And I played in half pack flank and Colin Everett played in half forward flank. So there was a bit of a coincidence there but That's lovely. Uh, getting back to the game uh, I played all right that day. And uh, I virtually didn't play seconds again until the well, the end of my career.
0: Well, there was a few other. I think Neville Crowe was one of the young kids in that side as well.
1: Neville Crowe was the young kid.
0: Yeah. Uh, could you did could you notice how of a how good of a player he was going to be? Was that noticeable? Yeah. Well, it
1: would have been. Well, it was. Um, yeah, there was no doubt about it. Uh, Neville, um, I've got photos of, here of practice matches, um, all practice of training where he's marking the ball over me. Actually, one of these or punching the ball. But yeah, I, there was no, there was no quibble when Neville came along.
0: What, 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 what did you have to do for training back in those days?
1: Well, it was mainly circle work and sprints. Right. Yeah. And that was. Uh, there was handball. Um, I, when I first played with them, well, um, even in the first practice match, I um, floated around and, and half back flank and zigzagged and followed Tom, Tom, uh, Tom I was going to say mixed Tom, um, what was his name? Hicks, I think his name was Hicks. He's a very good player anyway. Hmm. And finally, I got the ball off him, and at one stage, I was and I just Tommy Hafe came past. I didn't know him then. And uh, anyway, I kept going and did a drop kick and um, crowd roared. <laughs> and I found myself in the centre of the ground. Don't know how I got there. Uh, but I come back to the halfback flank, and um, Tommy Hafe brought me down to earth and said, "You should have um, you should have back there." And even in my first game against Essendon. Um, uh, came through the centre there past Roy Wright and kicked the ball. And Roy said, You should have handball there. And apparently, I was quite deficient in the handball. And I would say the Victoria guys were uh, uh, well, they used handball far better than country mm. WA. I know we had Polly Farmer, but I'm not sure that, that even down in the league, um, their handball was good as good as Victoria was.
0: Who was coaching Richmond at that stage?
1: Um well, Max Oppie coached them, and then Alan McDonald started then. So I come in with Alan McDonald. Tom, uh, Max oppie had us, in, had us in the four or six at one stage during the year. I thought he was quite a good coach, because you remember I was training with him as well. Mm. But um, I thought that could have kept him a year, but I didn't have any of these sort of opinions at the time, and Alan came along, and um, he... I had a recording of how he spoke, at, uh, how he coached at matches, and his addresses at half time, and so on. And um, he certainly, you know, I couldn't say anything against him. And then I was, I just did as my t- I was told anyway. So. Um,
0: did you say you had a? Re- in fact,
1: I always had blind faith in coaches.
0: Did you say you had a recording of it?
1: No, well, we did. Murray Fleming got it. In interviewing Alan McDonald, he went to matches and recorded him, and then um, we were quite advanced in those days. The the committee um, uh, let us have a listen um, into him, and um, they said that they thought he was pretty good and so on. Uh, they didn't say they'd appoint him, but they did appoint him a bit
0: later on, yeah. So they would record him doing his speeches at another club. Yeah, and where
1: he was coaching up the country, yeah.
0: And then the players were able to hear that to see, you know, what, what he was like.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's
0: interesting, isn't it? Wow. Well, it is,
1: yeah.
0: Um, when, you won, when you won a game in the 1950s or 60s, you didn't have a theme song to sing after the game, did you? Oh yeah. Did you have a theme song after the game, Richmond? Yeah. What 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 would you be singing?
1: I belong to Richmond, good old Richmond. (laughs) It was to that tune. It was a terrible theme song, actually. It's a far better one now.
0: But you you still remember it, I see.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not a tuneful person. I'm sorry about that. No, that
0: was all right. I, I, I was trying. What was? How long does the song go for? Is it? Was there many verses?
1: Oh no! It
0: was, it was, um, I belonged to it Richmond. Wasn't, it
1: wasn't that long. I don't think I could sing it all through, but it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't a very long one.
0: Now you won the best and fairest for Richmond twice,
1: yes.
0: in consecutive years. Yes. which is quite an amazing feat because you had many talented players in the team at the time. What, how good was your 1958 and your 1959 season?
1: Well, uh, the, year I, the first year, uh, I probably played half-back flank for the whole year. Yep. Um, the first game next year was against South Melbourne, and um, Freddie Goldsmith had won the Brownlow medal the year before, and they switched him from full-back when he won the Brownlow to full forward. And um, Alan Cations, I don't know if he was injured or if he'd retired. I think he had retired. Um, so I played full back on, um, on Freddie Goldsmith. Now he got to nine, and I thought to myself, well, I had him out a damn long way all the time. Um, Lou Richards, uh, and I've got the cutting here, I noticed the cutting in the sporting globe. Mm-hmm um said that um, that I battled, you know and I was going to be a good player uh, but I can thank Kyles Studdington because he was coming over a lot a fair bit over over as well and um, but he said I'd be too short to uh, to keep the job a full back uh, I kept my stats for that year and that year um, I had. I averaged over there every game I played, one and a half goals. So I thought to myself, well, there you are, Lou So I think I answered that question.
0: How tall were you?
1: Five foot eleven and three quarters, and I tried for three or four years in my, in my young years to try and get that extra quarter of an inch. But I was five foot eleven and three quarters inches in the old school.
0: And so, for instance, how tall you know was you know, Freddie Goldsmith, for example?
1: I got fat as of him, but he was a lot taller than I was, and yeah. he was a fireman, and he was he had a terrific tr- physique, he, not too bulky, he was just a well-built guy.
0: Did you get to play on Ron and Clegg?
1: No, no. Um, my next game, my next game was at Punt Road as well, second game that I played, and Desiree was centre-half back. And Ron Clegg was then our forward. And um, so I saw him play that day. Um,
0: Who were some uh, of the opponents you played on then?
1: Well, there was Ron Evans, um, Ron Evans from Essendon, Wooler from Geelong, Fred. Ongarello from Fitzroy. Uh, He wasn't one of the better ones, but he certainly could fly high. I just forget who was from Hawthorne. there were two fast guys. One for Webb, I think it was, from Melbourne, and I think it was Young. Was it Young from uh, St Kilda?
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. So in 1958, you um, won the first of your Best and Fairests, yep. uh, playing in the back line yep. which wasn't a, which isn't a common thing for a Best and Fairest. And then in '59, you did the, exactly the same thing. But I noticed in '59, you you must have played sometimes up forward because you kicked uh, a couple of goals.
1: Yeah, I came in about six games in the centre at one stage. Right. I kicked one goal against Hawthorne, um, but I'm not sure
0: where the other one or two were. Uh, St Kilda and Collingwood, they were all in successive rounds. Were you, a, um, were you a consistent kick? Were you a straight kick?
1: Um, I didn't have to follow through. Um, I punched the ball right-footed. How I've ever got that style, I don't know. Um, But it was very straight, um, and it was consistent distance. If I happened to stab the ball, but uh, I did a stab kick and I did a stab long kick, really. Mm. Uh, Probably it went through a bit, but if I actually occasionally... um, Stab the ball and then followed through like classical, bring the leg right through, it would go 20 metres further, but I never did that. Um, I only did it once I remember and they all came in, Roy Wright included for the next one. Uh, so they were all in to get my usual distance. Uh, you try and pick somebody out, and I went over their heads. So they went out further, and next time I did the same. So My normal kick, and um, I had to come forward. Uh, it's just something I remember. Yeah.
0: Quite well. well, in, um, in 1959, you, I think, represented Victoria for the first time?
1: Yes. idea I represented well it's uh, uh, it's in my records that that I played four uh, interstate VFL games Um, I've got five photographs here but I can understand how that happened first of all uh, the first state side was picked and then a representative side was picked to go to Tasmania Um, in that team there was um, Uh, John John Nichols Mm. John Nichols and he's one that comes out Mantello uh, a few others anyway we played in Tasmania Um, the main and so so that's where my fifth came in but it wasn't uh, it's not recorded if you don't play for the first state side uh, they don't record it Uh, but what happened was that um, Roy Wright got injured in his state match So I went into the team, the main state team for the next game, which was against, I think it was South Australia. So I was in that team then as well. So I both went in a representative team plus the state team. Did you? There must have been two games because uh, because that makes up two for that year and then two for the next year.
0: Did you ever play against Western Australia?
1: Well. That's a very sore point with me. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> Norm Smith was coach of the team that played with Australia. Roy was injured, I was in the team as a 19th man. And even though we won by a heap of goals, uh, he didn't put me on and I thought I was a bit parochial. <laughs> I reckon at least we were that far in front, he could have put me on at some stage. But um, yep. that's, that's, uh, that's not something that <laughs> worries me deeply.
0: Did you did you think about asking him on the day?
1: On the day? No. Yeah. No. As I told you, I'd gone for coaches. Certainly <laughs> at that stage, I never used to stand up for myself like that.
0: So did, was Alan McDonald your coach right up until you left Richmond in
1: 1961? No, um, Ezra coached me for the last year.
0: I see, right. And at, at this stage, Richmond were struggling as a team? Yes. Why was that?
1: I don't think they trained hard enough. I don't think the boys... Um, uh, I just don't think they trained hard enough. Right. Uh, even as, um, when, I, when I came back uh, to WA, my junior coach was still alive, and he was the one that taught me how to train. And uh, when I came back, I gave him one of my VFL guirnges and I said, here, take this, because you've taught me how to train. Um, so when I was with Glen Huntley, um, and I'd go down to training with the Richmond boys, uh, I'd be galloping all around the mobile flat out. And, you know, one or two of them said to me, uh, what are you trying so hard for? You know, you're not playing.
0: So, because we didn't train hard enough, when it came to the match time, we weren't as fit and we weren't as strong?
1: Yeah, well, all, all fast or anything. Yeah. It's you know, quick. You know, you, it makes a little bit of difference, uh, certainly in those days, anyway.
0: You, you wore a very famous number at Richmond, number four. Yep. Who else wore number four? Do you remember?
1: Well, O'Rourke, O'Rourke, was one
0: um, He could jump O'Rourke, couldn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah Big leap Yeah And I was mesmerised by all these guys I'd come in one at a time O'Rourke, uh, I met him a couple of times The fact that the Wales Hotel at one stage I went over uh, After I retired, not that many years back And they came in But I, he came in and all these guys Bolger, O'Neill, not all at once, but they they all came in and supported you, Um, I just can't think of hand who else was number four, but um, Mm. yeah, no, they were a great crowd, and the ones that were there, Skinny Titus, Priestley, Dickie Harris, all these guys, Um, I mean Titus was as straight as a die, he was fair to all the players. Uh, I think he was chairman of selectors most of the time I was there. Um, you know, you just had a great rapport with all those guys. You know, and the committee too, as far as that goes. Uh, you know, they were all good.
0: I heard that Jack Titus always wore a bow tie.
1: Well, it's one of the things I don't remember, but he probably did it. If it was red all the time, I would have remembered. <laughs> <laughs> No, well I don't know if he did a training.
0: <laughs> I think I think he also owned a pub too, didn't he? He what? He also ran a pub?
1: Yes, he did. Oh, he had it all the time I was there and for many years later, he was. He, I think he was in Footscray, it wasn't in Richmond Territory. Yep. And uh, unfortunately he passed on in his pub one day when he um, accosted somebody and then um, he just
0: keeled over. Yes, Jack Titus, he did, yes. He was about 70 years of age, I think, and, yeah, it took a bit out of him, obviously, that what, what happened that day. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think his funeral was quite a big funeral, actually, actually. I
1: would have
0: been, yeah. What was it like playing on the Richmond cricket ground?
1: Well, you didn't have to look up... Um you knew what part of the ground you're on by the texture of the soil. There was about six different textures. There was any sprinkling of rain that was made up to your boot tops. Um, and it smelt. Gosh. <laughs> it wasn't the only oval that was like that, incidentally. But, um, yeah, no, it was, I don't know what they had on it, but there was different types of loam and clay in different parts of the ground. And it was never nothing like today in the way of the grass, smooth grass and so on. I've been on a few times, I don't know when was the last time, might have been last year or the year before. Of course, it's a lot better grass than when we have it.
0: Now, when you played for Richmond, did your parents come and watch you? Parents? Yes.
1: No, my mother was alive. Oh no, my father was still alive, of course he was. Um, no, but they never came over. Uh, who,
0: who did you barrack for as a child? Dave?
1: Swan District. I was in Bassendine's territory. I played all my junior football at Bassendine and Swan Districts.
0: Yeah.
1: And my mother's a keen, was a keen, well, she only passed away a year or so ago. She's 93, but Goodness. Uh, she was very keen. And you could hear her all over the over when she decided to shout and scream. Oh, no. And, and yeah, and, uh, yeah no, they no. were good. And my father was my biggest supporter. He had all the sporting globe. Um, articles he must have gotten from the news agency they were living down Augusta then and he'd be showing everyone around the pub and all this sort of thing because <laughs> they all knew me because I, as I say I played in Carradale which is right on the edge of Cape Lewin and because um, they moved down there so I went down there a year at Quarum up in a year at Carradale when they were down there and then I decided to well I'll head over east and that's when I went off to Kalgoorlie so I played down there, and I was with the uh, combined sides from the Augusta Margaret River area, and we played other districts, Albany District teams like that.
0: Now I seem to think that Dickie Harris was the reserves coach. Yeah. What was he like?
1: Well, uh, he was he was a great communicator. Uh, you, know, you, uh, you know, he was down there training nights, and um, no, you just had the impression of. Uh, a good fella, mm. and you know he was no he was well they are all were easy to talk to but no Dickie was um had his own personality and yeah no he was he was good he was a good backstop for any coach that was there.
0: Did you ever get an opportunity to captain or vice captain Richmond?
1: Yeah I was vice captain um oh the last two years I must have been. Okay yep. Yeah, I was vice-captain, yeah. Um, so
0: so who was your captain?
1: Uh, yes, Ronnie Brown was.
0: He must have been a tremendous player, Ron Branton. He
1: was. Um, when he started to slow up a bit, they put him in the back pocket, and um, I didn't think we played that well together. Not, uh, not saying anything against Ronnie, but I thought it was boss down there until he came, and then that changed things a little bit. It seems silly, but uh, that's... That's how I felt about it. But anyway, yeah, you can't you can't criticise his play. He was great, and uh, he was uh, yeah, he was very attacking. Um, you knew he he was going to support you as a back pocket player. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, great player. I can't refute that.
0: And Roy, how great was Roy Wright?
1: Oh uh, well, I mean this guy. As I said, I saw him running at CBca Oval on his toes. you know he had cars like footballs when I got to <laughs> got to see him close up and uh, and I mean he they say he wasn't um, wasn't rough and tough like mm. a lot of them were but but I mean his bulk just uh, they, you know they couldn't shift him or he could shift packs if he you know he'd mark the ball. Um, the kick, he had the same boots on that he'd, he'd patched a thousand times over but wouldn't swap for anything. And uh, those big feet used to send the ball down.
0: <laughs> and I mean,
1: he, retired, he retired. If it wasn't the first year that I played, he retired the second year.
0: Now, can you tell me why someone of your skill who won two best and fairests finished at Richmond in 1961 at the end of that season
1: the first thing Desiree did was um, drop me off the first game for a game um, but that's not really the reason the year before um, I, we were playing a practice match and I was playing on a guy from Swan Hill um, and it was full-on to keep with this guy he was fast and everything and I was on a halfback flank and the oval that we were playing on was rock hard. And um, my left foot, so I, I strained my left foot. Hmm. Um, I think it was a stress fracture now, but um, I went to our medical guys and said, you know, this is sore, I, I, it's sore all the time. And they said, well, they thought it was a membrane between the shelf, uh, between the tendon and the, and the sleeve around the tendon and really um i put up with it most of the year i trained hard i sort of ignored it uh, to get in the stateside again but um i think it wore me down the, the, all there was age too because you gotta remember i was up around the 30 by this
0: mm.
1: could have been aged too but um i've got an instep um a high instep on my left foot um, which is uh, i've never had an x ray and i didn't have an x ray then uh, but I wonder if I didn't have something like hurt herd or something like that and, and when I went for choose after I gave up football I had to get them to fit my left foot because um, because that was the one with the high instep so I, I really don't I mean age was coming into it as well so uh, you know it was probably at the end anyway but um, I wasn't playing as well so I was, I was quite entitled to be dropped I guess
0: Now, you played... Just a few more questions before we finish up. You played with Tom Hafey, who later coached Richmond to premierships. When you played with him, could you notice that he was a a leader, a a potential coach?
1: Well, I guess I did. Um, Apart from when I mentioned... uh he was on the back of my handball the first day. Uh, and of course, he was a rugged player. And um, t- uh, Teddy Whitten broke my nose one day. And um, the next game we played against Footscray, he and Tommy fell over in the pocket. And Teddy had got up and he had the biggest blood nose you've ever seen in your life.
0: Yes.
1: So Tommy had squared up. So he didn't put up with much. But apart from that, when I was playing with Glenn Huntley, um, he and Graham Richmond only about three times or four times during the year uh, came out to watch me play and after the first game something happened and, uh, and when I saw them each time I thought I oh, wonder if they're going to try this, try now. But I think Tommy Hafey was, um, uh, you know, was training himself to be coach then. But of course I played with him then the next year and uh, that's when he, he left after that.
0: Right, yes, so he then went up the country. Um, but maybe, you know, watching you at Glen Huntley, he was sort of also, um, you know, checking how it's how the coaching happens. Is that what he was maybe doing as well? Yeah,
1: oh, yeah.
0: Uh, who, who was coaching Glen Huntley? Uh,
1: yeah, well, I'm sure he was, and I think he was training himself up to be a coach.
0: Do you know who was coaching Glen Huntley?
1: Sh- Sherlock, sorry, Sherlock. Yep. was was... Um, and a beautiful guy. He was a really nice guy and a big, tall fellow. And um, i don't know he was 50s, getting 60s. Very nice black. Um, never saw him after that, but uh, he was president of the club as well.
0: Mm. Now, Dave, it's been over 50 years since you played with Richmond. How would you like the Richmond supporters? To remember you.
1: Well, I've had enough accolades over the years. Uh, it might come up. Uh, people remember when I played. You know, that's I can't say. <laughs> can't say really. I, I mean, I, I talk about the way I played, but I mean, it's how other people think you played is, is what counts.
0: Are you still recognised in the street by Richmond supporters?
1: never see many of them. Uh, well, that's not true actually. We've got an avid one who owns the house across the road. And
0: <laughs> Do you stay in touch with many of your teammates at all?
1: Um, well, yes. Uh, there's Graham Jacobs uh, who was playing when I was there and he just lives a few doors up.
0: Oh, does he? Excellent.
1: Yeah, and Frank Dunnan, he's. Uh, Well, he was living here. He's just moved back last year. You see quite a bit of Frank because his in-laws belong to the same golf club as my wife and we have dinner. We used to have dinner over there occasionally. Um, I feel there's somebody else. Um,
0: So there's a few of you over in Perth.
1: Yes, well, those that came after me, I'm really not, uh, you know, I don't see. Yeah. Um, uh, Not for any reason. Um, Just you know, we travel in different circles and they're younger anyway.
0: But it's still great. And you still follow Richmond at all? Oh, of course. And, and Swan Districts?
1: Of course. Um, I'm very good friends with Bill Meeklem.
0: Excellent, yes. I know Bill. He's a yeah. great guy. Uh,
1: yeah, well, give him my regards. I will. and Dawn. Um, and, yeah, anyway, uh, I get a bit upset and write a letter occasionally, but... Uh, <laughs> They don't hate me for that. Do
0: you get a, Do you get a response? Uh,
1: no, not often.
0: No, from Richmond. <laughs> uh,
1: no, no, I don't get a response because it's always, it's, uh, you know, I do criticise at times um, when when I feel they should be doing something or something's happened, and uh, I just might have put in my um, my thoughts on the matter. I don't like to see them when they're, when they're in the net for four and a half million. Um, we've been through that once or twice, um, but I can understand now that, that uh, they rely on the league um, uh, handing out and they're trying to keep up their football departments uh, with the other, t- other teams. So uh, I presume they know what they're doing, really, but um, hmm. I did get a bit upset about that this year.
0: Well, you might be the most famous Western Australian to play for Richmond, Dave. Unless, of course, we count Ben Cousins, but I don't think we do. He never won the best and fairest, twice. Well, I
1: don't know. Uh, Bruce Monteith won a premiership as
0: captain, didn't he? He did too, yes. If Bruce was listening to this conversation, he may disagree with us, actually, come to think of it right um, but no I reckon you are because as I, I don't think nice uh, of you to say so, right? I don't think a Western Australian has you know won our two our two best and fairests and you did it consecutively as well in a team which had Roy Wright and Ron Branton and you know Des rowe these are really good strong teams and havel Rowe, of course I've spoken to havel um, so it, it's been a real pleasure to speak with you Dave and you you are you are held very highly by many people at Richmond for your career.
1: Thanks very much for saying that. I appreciate it. You know, I must step down there, and when I do, I'll have a cup of coffee with you. Oh, terrific. Excellent. Okay. Thanks for your time. Right over there. Okay. Bye for now. Bye now.
0: And that's the conversation with Dave Cousins, a softly spoken, lovely gentleman, and it was great to track him down and to be able to get his memories on tape for you to listen to and for future Uh, historians of this club, to listen back to. A reminder, if you're listening to this podcast through iTunes, can you make sure that you go into the comments section and leave a comment, please? And if you can, leave some star ratings. So far, it has 100% five-star ratings. Awesome. Well, until the next podcast, good thanks.